Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Recruiting Every Second. I'm your host, Blaine Gilmer, and I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to the podcast that covers SEC football recruiting from each and every angle possible. Recruiting Every Second is a show and a proud member of the Believe Podcast Network, and you can follow everything Recruiting Every Second by using the handle at recruiting underscore sec on twitter and instagram thank you so much again for tuning in guys it is monday may 10th and we are excited to be bringing you a show where we have a very special guest in the host of the late kick show national director of video for 24-7 sports, Mr. Josh Pate, if you follow college football at all, then you know Josh Pate is one of the best out there doing it when it comes to covering the game and, and giving insight on different programs and where they're going. We uh, called up Josh to give us a little insight on some SEC programs that have some momentum currently in recruiting, are inside the top 15 in terms of national rankings on the 24-7 team rankings. And each one of these programs is really looking to take the next step. So we're going to be touching on teams like Mississippi State, Arkansas, Kentucky, and even Florida. Florida, even though they went 8-4 and four last year, uh, they beat Georgia, they got to the SEC championship game, still felt like even though that was the most talented team they've had under Dan Mullen, 8-4, and four, not really getting it done. So... They're looking to take that next step, get back to the days where they were under Spurrier and Meyer. And they think Dan, many people down there think Dan Mullen's the guys to do it. Uh, I personally think he's going to have to recruit way differently. Josh Pate is kind of the same opinion uh, in terms of that. So that's all going to be on the show coming up. If this is your first time hearing us, make sure that you subscribe. You can catch video versions of the show. Not every show is over there, but you can catch some video versions of the show on the Bulldog Illustrated YouTube channel. That's B-U-L-L-D-A-W-G Illustrated.com. You can go over there, check that out uh, on the website, and then also go to their YouTube page. Just search Bulldog Illustrated, again, B-U-L-L-D-A-W-G Illustrated on YouTube, and you'll be able to find the channel over there. There's a playlist for recruiting every second underneath their channel. So if you want to see some of the video shows, you can check it out over there. Then, of course, just search either my name, Blaine, B-L-A-Y-N-E, Gilmer, G-I-L-M-E-R, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, any, anywhere you listen to your shows, you can check it out. 
Um, just search either my name or recruiting every second. And please subscribe, leave a review, like, turn on notifications, all that kind of stuff really helps out the show. But before we turn on our conversation with Josh Pate that we recorded uh, late last week, I uh, want to give you a, a little update on some news and notes. Of course, everyone knows that Mr. Henry Tuoto, formerly of Tennessee, has now committed to Alabama. Yes, the Crimson Tide get another tremendously talented player in Henry Tuoto. Uh, you know, Nick Saban is just seems to be a wizard when it comes to roster management, when it comes to just collecting these tremendously talented players. And, you know, with the loss of a guy who's been the heart and soul of Alabama defense like a Dylan Moses, well, now Henry Tioto comes in and I'm sure will be a great addition to the Alabama football program. Now, as I mentioned before, we talk about Kentucky in this episode with Josh Pate. And Kentucky is making all kinds of noise in recruiting. Uh, Alex Afari committed this past week to Kentucky. He's a uh, three-star, four-star, depending on where, where you look and see. But Alex Afari is an athlete out of Westchester, Ohio, that has committed to the Wildcats and has gotten them on the precipice of being in the top ten in the 24-7 team rankings. And also, uh, right before I started re recording this, Sayla Brown, who is a the number one defensive end inside the state of Kentucky, has dropped his top 10 uh, literally a couple hours before this. And Kentucky is inside that top 10 for that very talented Bluegrass State player. So that is uh, some news and notes on Kentucky. Then, of course, speaking about the Florida Gators, the Gators go up into the heart of the Peach State and get a absolute speed demon in Isaiah Bond. Isaiah Bond is out of the perennial power that is Buford High School, back-to-back uh, -back state championship winners in the Georgia High School Sports Association. And Isaiah Bond is the kind of guy that uh, Miami was after him hard. Georgia was really really giving Isaiah Bond a hard look, but he decides to, this is a guy who runs a 10-4 in the 100-meter dash, so he can really fly. Last time I talked to him, he said, you know, he felt quite confident that he could run a 40-yard dash in a high 4-3 range. So Isaiah Bond, a guy that can really take the top off the defense, gives Dan Mullen another, another weapon down there in this class of 2022. So that is your news and notes here on going around the league for some latest things that have happened in SEC football recruiting. Now we're going to get you over to that interview with Josh Pate from 24-7 Sports. Super excited to be bringing you this edition where we're going to be covering some of those teams in the SEC that are looking to take that next step reach the next tier if you will and to help us go through that and break it all down we have the host of the Late Kick Show, the National Director of Video for 24-7 Sports, and the fiercest proponent and protector of the four-team college football playoff that I've seen, Mr. Josh Pate. Josh, how are you doing, sir? Well, your intro for me is better than my parents do, so now I'm doing really good. I appreciate it. 
we'll, we'll get into that college football playoff thing. It kind of ties into what we're talking about here in just a little bit. But, man, uh, super excited to be uh, having you join us here again. Um, wanted to touch on some of these programs in the SEC. As everything is, you know, you hear the call for parity and all that. Well, there's these teams out there that are just – killing it year in and year out and recruiting Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson, these these teams that are racking up talent. My question for you is, if you have some teams that have some momentum in recruiting right now that are in that around that 10, 11, you know, to 14 range, like Kentucky, Mississippi State, uh, Arkansas, in the 24-7 sports rankings, how do those type of teams end up getting up to the to the next step and we'll we'll talk uh we'll kind of go team by team so we can talk about like kentucky first they're in that sec east with georgia florida teams like that how does mark stoops and company kind of go about hitting that next tier well this is going to sound it's going to sound a little counterintuitive but i think he's got to run his mouth more and i do mean that the way it sounds i was just talking actually right before you and i uh, began this i was talking to someone actually about how good they've done in the NFL draft. And to be honest with you, I knew they had done well. I did not know how well until Mark Stoops started making some of the media rounds as of late and really started doing things that he normally doesn't do, which is touting his own program. And he started talking, and I, I myself and a lot of other people took note of the fact that there are only seven programs in this NFL draft that sent more kids to the draft than Kentucky. And over the last two years, I think there have only been a dozen that have sent more combined to the draft than Kentucky. Well, I'm telling you right now, if I don't know that, and if you can't immediately rattle that number off the top of your head, I can't count on recruits to know that. So I got to go tell them, this is not Alabama. This is not Florida. This is not a program with a ton of eyeballs on it to where Nick Saban doesn't have to do his promotional work for himself. Everyone already sees it. Mark Stoops has to take a little bit different approach. Well, he's done that. And I think it's no coincidence that that is sort of coinciding with their offensive shift up there. Like I think you're seeing an overall philosophical shift at Kentucky. And I think he waited, he being Mark Stoops, waited until he got that program in a place where the foundation was firm. His spot there has long since been secured. And now he feels comfortable and he's got the equity to try something new. And I think it's a holistic approach, and we're seeing that. So Kentucky's a really good place to go. You get to play in the SEC. It's, it's centrally located. It's a very nice place geographically to where you can draw from some of those recruiting talent hotbeds in Ohio, but you can still get into the South very easily. It's not all that difficult to kick over to the East Coast. So there's a lot of different areas you can draw from. You just have to be able to continually rebrand and repackage Kentucky football as being something that is a viable spot for you to do everything you want to do in college. 100%. And in terms of Kentucky, you know, they just picked up Alex Safari literally today and ranks them as number 10 in the country in 24-7 sports rankings. So Mark Stoops definitely doing a lot of things. If, if for nothing else alone, Josh, back in uh, the 2019 season when they went 8-5 and five and their leading passer on the team had 690 yards passing and he was still able to win eight games with that I think like you said he's long been secure and, and is underappreciated um, another team that I want to touch on is who I kind of view as uh, a sister program almost kind of akin to Kentucky that I think has the same kind of stuff going on out in the west would be Arkansas with Sam Pittman I feel like they're, they're in that deal, like you said, can pull from other places. They can take care of the people in Arkansas, but uh, Texas, Oklahoma, some of those some of those places. 
what do you, what have you kind of being there in that, in the hub of 24 seven sports and all that kind of stuff? What have you kind of seen and heard about people talking about Sam Pittman, his recruiting and all that that's going on out and out with the, the hogs right now? I don't think you can overstate the value of it. And I think a lot of people understated the value of his hiring. When Chad Morris came in there to Arkansas, it was an ill-timed hire as it turns out. But when they brought him in there, Everybody around Arkansas wanted to talk about one thing, and that is we're going to be able to get into Texas. We're going to reestablish our recruiting foothold in Texas because he's from Texas. And it was all about Texas. And that's great. I understand that's part of the lifeblood of the the Arkansas recruiting blueprint. But here's the problem. You can stack all the Texas talent in the world you want. If you can't properly develop it and coach it and put it in the right place, it doesn't matter. It turns out Chad Morris was ill-equipped to do that. Well, then you bring in a guy that's really not on anyone's head coaching radar. But the thing about him being Sam Pittman is he's a culture fit. He is a puzzle piece that seamlessly fits into that open slot they had. And he, like many other examples in college football right now, at least from from my hopeful viewpoint, is a guy that makes college football's cultural importance magnified. In the NFL, if they hire you at the Dolphins or the Chargers, whatever, it's an NFL head coaching job. But in college, what may work in Fayetteville, Arkansas may not work at all in Eugene, Oregon, and vice versa. It's about culture. It's about understanding culture in college. Well, Sam Pittman gets it. He totally understands it. He speaks, he speaks Razorback fluently. So you get him in there, and you get all the culture boxes checked. And guess what happens when you can do that? What happens is magically you're able to recruit Texas anyway. You're able to get in there anyway. So you're able to do all the stuff you were trying to do with Chad Morris, but you check the most important box on the front end, and that was culture. So the talk around here is no one really knows they're in what I call ascension mode as a program. So no one really knows what the ceiling is. People are trying to calibrate their expectation level. And it's kind of popular right now in year two to wonder, well, was last year just some weird byproduct of no one had a spring. And so Arkansas snuck up on people, but don't worry. Once we get into a normal year, things will return to quote unquote normal. Or is it my goodness, Sam Pittman was able to do that even though he came in and didn't have a spring practice and all these players left and blah, blah, blah. Well, now imagine what he's going to be like with a full spring and a full year to develop and a further year in to establish culture. And to be honest with you, I lean a lot further towards the latter than the former. I really believe in the direction over there. And, you know, when you look at his class that he was able to put together in short order at Arkansas last year, you know, I heard a recent deal that you did in terms of talking about stars matter, you know, in the, in the NFL draft, not many guys make that, that jump from being a two star, sometimes not even a, a three star, most of it's four and five star guys, but they're not necessarily getting a ton of them. But you, you talk about Arkansas, they got a, th- a four star from Texas, four star from Oklahoma, four star from Florida. So you do see him being able to go out and, and get some of that. Um, but, in terms of the transfer market, uh, you know, transfer portal, it's becoming bigger and bigger. You you talked about how there's not enough spaces out there for the all the kids that are in the portal. But Arkansas, do you view a team like in Arkansas and maybe even like a Mississippi State under Mike Leach as teams that maybe need to go out there and supplement what they're able to do with their good re- recruiting job, even though you don't want to – you know, screw yourself up for down the line. Are they going to have to systematically go after that transfer portal? 
They may. I think the important word you use there is supplement. That's all it ever needs to be. It doesn't need to be your plan A or plan B or plan C. But if you're supplementing, you know, if that's not the steak, but rather just maybe the sauce you put on it, that's fine. And if you need to do that from time to time, that's okay. But long term, it's not going to pay off for anyone to have that as their core strategy. And if they don't believe that, it doesn't make it any less true. It's just that coaching staffs will be fired finding out the hard way. Sam Pittman and Arkansas long term, I don't think are going to have to lean on that. Because if you if you consider the kind of kid they're going to get to commit to Arkansas, it's probably not going to be a five-star kid from Miami that they beat out Clemson, Ohio State, Miami, and Alabama for. And they have to promise him all kinds of play in time and who knows how in the world they got him there. That's not the kind of guy they're landing. They're landing maybe a high three-star defensive back from Huntsville, let's say, that Alabama didn't quite have room for and he didn't have immediate ties to Auburn and he didn't see a viable path at Tennessee. And so he goes to Arkansas. And it's, it may not be an immediate impact true freshman, but it's the kind of guy that the right staff develops. And three years down the road, there they are overachieving relative to a lot of kids that were ranked ahead of them. But my point there is, if you consider the mentality of the typical kid that's going to commit to Arkansas, by the very nature of the kind of kid they're going to bring on campus, it's not going to be a kid predisposed to wanting things handed to him immediately. It's going to be the kind of kid that understands I'm going to have to work and fight and scratch and claw every day to even get on the field. Those typically aren't the kind of kids that you see transferring in huge numbers. So I don't think long-term Arkansas is going to be the one that has big problems with that. In terms of, we I talked before, you know, in the intro, you know, you're defender of the the four four and no more in the in the playoffs and things like that. When you if you were talking to fan bases of of like Kentucky, Arkansas, maybe even uh old old Miss, uh Mississippi State teams that aren't necessarily considered in that first tier of the SEC up there with the Georgias and the Alabamas, is it something where you just have to manage uh, expectations at a certain point or I mean everybody's wanting to play for for championships and do that but if you're having to consistently go out there and, and battle the guys like you said with Alabama's and Georgia's and Florida's you know trying to get four and five stars how do you how do you kind of manage that from a, a program standpoint and expectation standpoint well you have to calibrate your expectations and your perspective first off and I think the question you're asking it kind of ties into also the whole playoff conversation. If you enter any conversation in college football with your default setting that we're going to measure everyone's success by whether they make the playoff or not, then you're setting 98% of the sport up for failure, firstly. Secondly, you are not focusing on what is supposed to be focused on in college football to begin with. I would argue in life, but especially in college football to begin with. I know that there is a guy that's the head coach at Alabama right now. A lot of people may have heard of him. His name is Nick Saban, and he talks a lot about being process-oriented. And when you start talking like that, some people tend to fall asleep because it sounds like a motivational speaker at the airport Marriott who's just in for the day, and you pay $59.95 to listen to him or whatever. But that stuff's true, and it's the same here. If I'm the head coach at Arkansas or Ole Miss or Mississippi State, it, I would argue it's just flat-out ignorant to sit there and judge my performance based on whether we made the playoff or judge my performance based on whether we finished in the top three in recruiting. Hey, man, if you accomplished either, that's wonderful, and you're probably not even listening to this because you're probably either busy taking a new job or signing a very, very fat extension. But I would judge my performance relative to, A, my resources, and then, B, 
what is the maximum potential here? The maximum potential at Mississippi State is not to make the playoff this year. I mean, I hate to put it out there like that, but that's reality. That's how I view reality. And so Mississippi State's 9-3 and three could be a whole lot more impressive than Clemson's 11-1 and one in some scenarios. That's how I'd look at it. And I would also ask myself, are we improving? Have we improved year over year? Jimbo Fisher, now he's at a place where they are capable of making it. But Jimbo, when he got to, when he got to A&M, he had year one. And then I thought they improved in year two. And then I thought they improved again in year three. Well, that's a program that's capable of winning it all. And even at A&M, I'm suggesting that that's the approach you take. Just ask, are we continuing to improve year over year? Uh, to me, you can't ask for anything more from a coaching staff. And if you think you can, I would advise you to realize you're a lot closer to the top of the ladder, if that's the case at your program, than you are the bottom. Everyone wants to look up and see, oh, we can still climb. Look, we're not at the top. Well, that's true. But if there are 10 rungs on a ladder and you're on rung number nine, there, there's one above you. Okay, we hadn't beat Alabama yet. We hadn't got up there yet. Well, there are also, what, eight or seven or whatever rungs below you, and a lot of your peers are down there, and if they could tell you one thing, they'd say you need to be appreciative for what you already have and what you've accomplished and where you already are. And the last program that I want to touch on with with you is Florida. Uh, Florida, you know, people say, well, why are you talking about them getting to the next tier? Well, it's been a long time since uh, the the Spurrier days and then the Urban Urban Meyer days. Is what have you done for me lately? Dan Mullen's trying to get back there. One thing that I find as you know, covering recruiting and following recruiting is the roster management and the build of that team down there in Florida. It was was built exactly kind of to be what Dan Mullen had with Kyle Trask and, and uh, Kyle Pitts throwing that thing around. They haven't drafted or they haven't signed a running back recruit out of high school the last two draft uh, last two recruiting classes. They've been relying on transfers and things like that. How do you, in terms of the roster builds of teams like Florida versus the difference of how Georgia and Alabama, because those are those are more of apples to apples. How is it that Dan Mullen is going to be able to consistently, he had maybe his most talented team, consistently get up in that upper echelon of the SEC and compete when he's doing things so vastly different than maybe the guys he's in direct competition with are? I don't think long-term he's going to be able to. So, therefore, I, I hope long-term that's not the strategy. Now, I don't mind, again, like I said, if you, in a supplemental fashion, leverage the transfer portal. And I'll tell you, there is a program in the East, Georgia, for example, that I think may do that at the quarterback position. And if you're going to do that, that's cool, because chances are that means you're bringing in one guy per cycle or one guy per every other cycle, a la a JT Daniels. And so if that's the strategy, that's fine. But if, if we're going to be Dan Mullen for a second and we're going to be at Florida and we're just thinking to ourselves, don't worry, it doesn't matter if we don't finish in the top tier of the SEC in recruiting because we'll just make up for that in the transfer portal. That is not a long-term viable strategy. And I think that more people are becoming wise to that as you realize how this math works. If you, for instance, got another scholarship that counted towards your 25 when a kid left your program and you took a new transfer, it'd be fine. So if Florida, for example, when they took Brenton Cox in from Georgia, if, if that didn't hurt them against the 25-man cap, that'd be cool. That'd be fine. But it does. Every transfer, if I bring in five transfers to make up for five who just left, I don't get to also sign 25 kids in the recruiting world that year. I only have 20 left. And so it's a law of diminishing returns because you are 
you are essentially taking away four year or five year spots to give to one or two or three year guys. And you get yourself into a huge roster dilemma down the road. Now there are two schools of thought. One is it'll be a moot point because the NCAA will address this. I personally have a lot of trouble putting my faith in the hands of the folks in Indianapolis. I just don't necessarily know that you can count on that. So long-term, I think they've, they've got to do what we were talking about there with Mississippi state and the like in a different, in a different world the recruiting world, they just got to continue to get better, which I think they have, by the way, I don't think Florida recruiting is regressing. I just think if we're looking at that ladder, we can be two things at once. We can be appreciative that they continue to climb, you know, 13, 10, seven and so forth. But the context is we're still looking up at Alabama. We're still looking up at Georgia. We're still looking up at LSU. We're still looking up at A&M. We're looking up at, you know, a quarter of the teams in the conference or whatnot, any given recruiting cycle. So it's just important to keep building and keep climbing. I think it's a big inflection year for Florida. I think this will be a prove it year in many ways for Florida, which is ironic because last year's the year that they accomplished everything you would assume that they needed to accomplish to validate themselves. They beat Georgia. They won the East. And yet, on the same hand, you can look at just critical failures in the same year that really did not convince anyone they had gotten over the hump, that they had become the alpha program in the East. And I'm of that mentality. I don't think that they overtook Georgia as a program in the East last year, which I didn't think I'd say had you told me at the beginning of the year, they're going to beat Georgia and win the East. What do you think you'll be saying in 2021? Well, I thought I'd be saying, hey, it's Florida's division now. I don't think that at the moment. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff, guys. If you enjoy this kind of insight, this kind of breakdown of how teams are built, what to expect out of teams, make sure to go follow as most everybody I'm sure listening to this probably already does. But if you for some odd reason don't, go follow at Late Kick Josh on Twitter and Instagram, hosting the Late Kick Show. Uh, over there looking for 24-7 sports. But Josh, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode of Recruiting Every Second, and uh, hope to talk to you again sometime down the road. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. That's it. This episode of Recruiting Every Second, you can follow us at, at recruiting underscore SEC on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, uh, if you want to watch on YouTube one day, not this episode, but other episodes at Bulldog Illustrated's youtube channel over there so thank you very much and we'll catch you next time life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one mccrispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour walmart plus members save on meeting up with friends Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.